The last time Ohio State football traveled to Ross Aid Stadium on a Saturday, the game was at night, and the game was rather ugly. Ryan Day was on the staff as offensive coordinator after serving as the interim head coach for the first three games of the season while Urban Meyer was suspended. I believe current safety Josh Proctor and maybe a handful of other players were on the team as well, like Xavier Johnson, who's also in his sixth year. But correct me if I'm wrong down in the comments section below. Today's roster is much different than 2018's roster. 2018's roster for Ohio State and for both teams was full of radically different players, many of whom had journeys in the NFL or who are still playing in the NFL. The late Dwayne Haskins, rest in peace to him, along with running backs Mike Weber, J.K. Dobbins, K.J. Hill Jr., and Chris Olave, were looking to continue Ohio State's dominant stretch in the Big Ten, continue their undefeated streak, which extended at seven games. They had a 7-0 record entering Purdue, and reach the Big Ten championship game, win that, and reach the college football playoff after missing it in 2017. But Purdue that night had other ideas. And with David Blau, DJ Knox, Rondale Moore, and a genius collection of offensive minds in Jeff and Brian Brom, Purdue pulled off the unthinkable. Motivated by their biggest and best fan, Tyler Trent, who was battling with cancer and sadly passed away in 2019, the Boilermakers won 49-20. to Both teams at over 500 yards, Ohio State committed the single turnover of the game. Both teams at over 20 first downs. Dwayne Haskins even passed for 73 times, which... Not even Caleb Williams and several air raid quarterbacks under Clay or Tyson Helton could think of doing in a singular game. The reason why Ohio State lost is they settled for field goals, they didn't have the same motivation, and Purdue had explosive plays on the ground and through the air, averaging 8.8 yards per pass while Ohio State averaged 6.4, and Purdue averaged 5.6 yards per rush while Ohio State, with the powerful duo of Weber and Dobbins, only averaged three yards per carry. In saying all of this, Ohio State and the fans of the program, members of the team who were on the 2018 team and are still with us in 2023 in college, and Ryan Day, the head coach, do not have good memories entering Ross-Aid Stadium. However, we are now half a decade past that game, and people are still acting like this is a rematch of 2018 and 2000, Ohio State and 2018 Purdue the following week. Pardon me there. These are two totally different teams. Purdue is 2-4. and four. Ohio State is 5-0. and oh. And it's very hard to claim that what happened half a decade ago has relevancy today. But does it? And that's what we're going to figure out in today's episode. Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's your host, College Football with Sam. And today, we're talking about a game that many have mentioned this week as a potential trap game. But let me know what you think of that statement, because there are plenty of people who are watching this game, plenty of people who are betting Purdue to cover the spread and pull off the upset. And isn't a part of listing a game as a trap game is talking about the fact that Little to no people are paying attention to this game. 
I know that Ohio State has Penn State the following week, so there's a potential factor that Ohio State overlooks this game, or Purdue treats it like their Super Bowl, or a mix of both. But let me know if you think that this is a trap game, and tell me your thoughts, analysis, and prediction for this game down in the comments section below. Before we resume this video, I encourage you to hit that big red subscribe button and click the notification bell. That way you can be a part of our community, which is aiming to reach 20,000 subscribers by the end of the 2023 college football season. And by hitting the notification bell, you won't miss when I produce another college football, Big Ten football preview video, reaction video, and other college football topics that I talk about throughout the week. Speaking of which, we are going live at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time tonight, so I encourage you again to hit the notification bell so you won't miss that. We'll be talking about Ohio State football and also Michigan and Penn State. Comment your thoughts down below once again, like this video, and please check out my Patreon page via the link in the description. You'll get insider access to my potential power rankings, which will be posted tomorrow, along with a short video discussing the updates to the index after week six's games. Right now, potential power is 42 and 30 against the spread, and I'm hoping the numbers only get better from there. Thank you very much for your support and also for commenting your thoughts down below. Now let's get back to this game. So Purdue won 49-20 the last time these two teams met, but that was a totally different year in college football, and there's been a lot of changes since 2018. Just on another brief side topic, this is part of my issue with Urban Meyer being hired by Michigan State, even though I think that's likely the best hire they could pull off, and I could see it happening. Urban Meyer left in 2018, and since he's been gone, the transfer portal has widely expanded. Name, image, and likeness, and compensation of student-athletes is allowed, and the new clock rules as well. That forces you to change schematics and come up with different game plans. Look at Ohio State versus Notre Dame, for example, where both teams had minimal amounts of drives. That game was much shorter and much more low scoring than most people anticipated because we were still processing that change in clock management and clock rules, where the clock no longer stops to reset the chains when a team gains a first down, for example. That only happens inside of two minutes of the first and second half. So there have been a lot of changes in the game since 2018, and the rosters of these two teams are almost completely different or nearly different compared to their 2018 team selves. These 2023 teams, look, they have some similar staffers, they might have some similar players, similar identities. Jeff Brom, for example, he was the coach of Purdue until 2022, so his system and players that he recruited and developed are still largely on Purdue's roster. Devin Mockaby is an example of this, a great running back. And Ryan Day was the offensive coordinator and was obviously appearing to be the successor to Urban Meyer if Urban Meyer was to leave Ohio State during the 2018 season, letting him step in as the interim head coach, how he handled that, and also the fact that he revolutionized Ohio State's offense, put him higher in the pedigree for succession internally, 
if Ohio State was to pursue promoting from within after Urban retired, which they did as he retired at the end of 2018. But to put 2018 totally in the past, the point that I'm trying to make right now is Ohio State's 5-0, and and Purdue is 2-4. and Ohio State's offense has gotten off to slow starts for the entire season. Meanwhile, they have one of the best defenses in the country. On a surface level, and in a gross oversimplification, that's pretty opposing to their 2018 team, who was unstoppable on offense. They had a great passing attack, a great rushing attack, but with Greg Schiano and Alex Grinch, vomit, coaching the defense, their defense had struggles all season long. Meanwhile, Purdue, they have Graham Harrell as their offensive coordinator, Hudson Card, Devin Mockaby, and also a great wide receiver in Dion Burks, have led an offense that is impressive. However, their defense and offense are nearly forcing slash allowing the same amount of yards per game. Purdue's offense is putting up 389.7 yards per game. Their defense is allowing 380.3 total yards per game. So Purdue is a team that perhaps is better than their 2-4 and four record indicates. Purdue has played Virginia Tech, Fresno State, Syracuse, Illinois, and Wisconsin. Illinois might be the worst team on their schedule outside of Virginia Tech, and that includes a Fresno State team who's 5-1 and one right now. Syracuse is 4-2, and two, and they were a paper tiger even when they were 4-0, and oh, but Illinois is just horrendous, and Purdue beat them 44-19. And Ohio State, their most recent win in all of this is Maryland. They're coming off a 37-17 win over Maryland. Purdue did play last week as well. They aren't coming off a bye, but they lost to Iowa in painful fashion by a score of 20-14. to What's the matchup between these two teams? Well, 5-0 and versus 2-4, and like I've already said, but Ohio State is a big-time favorite. They're given a 94% chance to win, according to ESPN's FPI, and FPI, much like my potential power rankings, factor in home field advantage. This would probably be closer to 97 or 98% by FPI if this game was being played in Ohio Stadium in the horseshoe. I did a poll on this game, like I do for all games that I do preview and prediction videos for in a community post, and it was overwhelmingly in support of Ohio State. There was only one more game in which the favorite was even more heavily picked, and we're getting to that game later today. Um, Hint, Michigan over Indiana. And a large part of the Purdue picks, I anticipate, are people either remembering the 2018 matchup and also Purdue's success against highly ranked opponents at home, and also the fact that this is a conference road game, and Ohio State does play Penn State after this week, and I expect Ohio State and Ryan Day and their staff and their roster, as much as they don't want to admit it, or Ryan Day is going to try and limit this sentiment, there will be certain players and or coaching staffers who are game planning ahead for Penn State, as that will be Ohio State's biggest game and biggest test of the whole season up to this point. And that includes a Notre Dame team who played their A-plus game at home in Notre Dame Stadium, but I think Penn State's a superior team, and they have a better matchup compared to Ohio State than Notre Dame did. But 
overwhelmingly, my subscribers and my followers are picking Ohio State to win this game. Ohio State remained at two, although they did fall still in terms of overall performance and average points assigned. They fell in potential power, but they remained at that number two spot. Purdue, I think they fell, stabilized, maybe rised, I don't exactly know, but they're 40 in potential power. They have a 2-4 and four record. Ohio State is favored to win this game, according to Vegas, by 19.5 points. Meanwhile, according to potential power, Ohio State is being favored to win by 33. And I think that even though Purdue is at home, what potential power sees is a mass imbalance between these two teams. No position for Purdue or for Ohio State outside of special teams, which is a weakness of Ohio State's and has been for a while. I thought that Parker Fleming was going to improve in this area and have a better coached and better performing special teams unit, but I've been proven wrong in that preseason prediction. Outside of special teams, whether it's staff, quarterback, running back, offense, defense, you name it, Ohio State's better. They're the better team. They've performed better. They're undefeated, and they've dominated most of their games, whether it took them a few quarters to get in that dominant performance or they dominated from start to finish, which I'd argue Ohio State hasn't done that yet this season. They're a slower starting team, both on offense and on defense, like I mentioned earlier, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Their game against Notre Dame, Indiana, and Maryland in particular, I think showed that. So even with those factors going against Ohio State, this is still a more talented team. They're third in the nation, according to Team Talent Composite provided by 24-7 Sports, when you look at who has the most talented rosters in college football. Purdue, I think, is in the top 50 or 60, but they're far less talented than Ohio State. Ryan Walters is a first-year head coach. I think Ryan Walters is a very underrated head coach, and I think he's going to succeed at Purdue, and I'm rooting for him to succeed at Purdue. But this is Ryan Day's fifth year as the official head coach of Ohio State. He's 50-6. and six. He has a 17-6 and six record versus ranked teams, and Maryland, despite not being ranked in the top 25, as you all will see tonight in a post of mine, and also in my live video where I talk about my top 10 teams, I have Maryland ranked inside of my top 25 right now. So Ryan Day knows how to beat good teams, whether it's on the road or at home. His struggles have been in the playoffs versus whether it's Alabama and teams who are just far better than his, 2020 Alabama being one of the best teams of all time, in my opinion, or against Georgia last year or Clemson in 2019, teams that were similar to his, but at the end of the day, either one side of the football failed him or there were just coaching decisions or just things where the ball had to bounce to one side and they didn't bounce to Ohio State's side. So Ryan Day is a proven head coach, a great head coach. His only problem in the Big Ten has been Michigan, undefeated versus every other Big Ten team as a head coach, which is pretty incredible. He just has a Michigan problem. And we'll see if he still does at the end of the year, because if he goes into Ann Arbor and wins and recaptures the Big Ten and pursues a national title, he'll be 500 against Michigan. And then the narrative will 
more so be along the lines of him and him and Jim Harbaugh are just competitive with each other. But that's a topic for a different day. Overall, um, the Buckeyes' big favorites in this matchup, obviously. A lot of people, last time I checked, are picking Purdue to cover in this matchup. I think around 40% of public bettors were picking Purdue to cover in this game, which I think is relatively interesting. I think a lot of that stems from remembering that 2018 team matchup, and that's why I'm talking about 2018 so much, because looking at these two teams, I can see evidence or or circumstances, rather, to support why this could be a trap game. Ohio State, let, let me paint a picture for you all here. Ohio State overlooks Purdue because they're focused on Penn State. Purdue and Ryan Walters successfully treat this game like their Super Bowl. Ohio State's offense and defense at the same time get off to a slow start, maybe like they did against Western Kentucky or Youngstown State and Maryland, where Youngstown State and Maryland basically from the first drive were able to run on Ohio State, and Western Kentucky was able to successfully convert some third downs. Maybe Purdue forces a few punts or a fourth down stop, or some turnovers, and their offense with Devin Maccabee and Hudson Card and Deion Burks are able to drive down the field and get a touchdown, maybe a touchdown and a few field goals, or in the worst possible scenario, a few touchdowns against this Ohio State defense. And maybe by the time Ohio State wakes up, they have to dig themselves out of a hole. I can actually see that happening, given the nature of Graham Harrell's air raid, the fact that they Purdue have some solid skill players, and they do have some players such as Cam Allen on the defensive side of the ball who are great. But really the worst possible scenario for Ohio State is starting slow, Purdue has to start fast, and they have to be efficient. If Purdue starts fast but they get into the red zone and give up a turnover or they settle for a few field goals or a touchdown and a field goal, and they don't secure a big lead, at some point Ohio State likely, nothing's a guarantee, but likely would be able to turn on the Jets and rise back up and score in a rather quick and dominating fashion like they did for the final 20 or 25 minutes against Maryland. And several things would have to go right for Purdue and Taking all those different factors and putting them together, that would be highly unlikely for all of those things to go in Purdue's way. And from a roster talent standpoint and a developmental standpoint and a performance standpoint, Ohio State is just so much better. They're so much better than Purdue is. Let's look at, we already talked about Ryan Day as a head coach, but Jim Knowles as a defensive coordinator, much better resume than Ron English especially in recent memory. Ron English was actually the defensive coordinator at Michigan from, I think, 2006 to 2007, and he really helped the defense evolve and become more aggressive after Jim Herman really fell off a cliff after winning the Broyles Award in 1997. Bit of Michigan football history for you Buckeye fans and Purdue fans who are watching this video. Um, as a Michigan fan myself, I didn't watch the 2007 and 2006 seasons because 
I was only four or five years old. But looking back on, you know, Wikipedia and college football stats, I mean, Ron English is a good defensive coordinator. What I said about Jim Knowles being better than him is not a knock on Ron English. It's the fact that Jim Knowles, whether it's Duke or Oklahoma State, where he made one of their defenses in 2021, his final year there, one of the best defenses in 2021's season, it's very impressive. Oklahoma State that year had over 50 sacks. And last year, he turned Ohio State's defense around very quickly. It was only in games against... Michigan, Georgia, and to a lesser degree, but still significant, Penn State, where his defense, especially the secondary, had multiple holes exposed. But his defenses are great historically, and this year, Ohio State has one of the better defenses in all of college football right now. In fact, I think Ohio State is the best secondary in college football with Josh Proctor, Denzel Burke. Davison Igmanosin, Lathan Ransom, Sonny Styles, and several other players, their defense has taken a big step forward compared to last year. I know they have not faced a significant offense yet. Notre Dame, I know they had Sam Hartman, Tobias Merriweather, Audric Estime, Joe Alt at tackle, Mitchell Evans at tight end, but their offense is very boomer bust. Sort of like Penn State's offense in 2022. We may have to wait until the end of this regular season before we can see what Jim Knowles' defense is made of when facing up against elite offenses. And yes, I think Michigan's offense at this point, looking at J.J. McCarthy's efficiency, the rushing attack, Roman Wilson, I do think that is an elite offense. But again, we're still only halfway through the season. I'm not exactly going to attach myself to that statement. But Going off of what we know, this is one of the better offenses in the country. Ohio State this season has only allowed 12 plays of 20 yards or more. I think that is third nationally in all of college football. Ohio State so far has seven sacks. That isn't very high, but their actual pressure rate is much higher than their sack rate. The Buckeyes have 22 passes defended, five interceptions, four forced fumbles, and two fumble recoveries. They also have two pick sixes and one fumble returned for a touchdown. This defense still has moments where they are explosive, but they typically play in a more conservative fashion because last year Jim Knowles' defense was uber-aggressive and it didn't pay off, especially in big-time matchups against Michigan and Georgia. Ohio State's leader in sacks is GT Tuimolau, and Michael Hall Jr., who each have one and a half. Tui Moalau also has a pass defended and 17 total tackles. Mike Hall, meanwhile, has 10 total tackles, no other statistics outside of sacks. But he has been one of the more impressive defensive tackles in the nation, and Hiro Kanu, Mitchell Melton, Tommy Eichenberg, and Tyleek Williams each have one sack as well. Denzel Burke has six passes defended, an interception, and a forced fumble along with five total tackles. He's looked a lot more like his 2021 self than his 2022 self who was dealing with injuries and what many would call a sophomore slump. Josh Proctor has a pick six that he earned against Maryland, three passes defended, and 23 total tackles. And Burke and Proctor have been some of the best defensive back players in the country, like I mentioned earlier. 
Igbenosan, Jordan Hancock, defensive ends, Caden Curry, Tui Moolau, Sawyer, linebacker Steel Chambers, and safeties, Malik Hartford and Lathan Ransom have some passes defended as well. Chambers has an interception, Ransom has an interception, Jermaine Matthews Jr. has a 58-yard pick six, and this defense, like I mentioned earlier, explosive, but when the time is right. They don't overbite, they don't overpursue, and they're much more disciplined. They don't, you know, fall down in coverage or blow coverages. They're a much better dis- they're a much better defense overall compared to last season. And I'm very impressed with the defensive performance this season. The offensive line for Ohio State has been an area which has taken a massive step back. Ohio State could not rush for more than two yards per carry against a Maryland defense that I think pales in comparison to Penn State's and Michigan's defense. So Ohio State does have a lot to work on at offensive line, but I still think they have an edge over Purdue in that specific area. Purdue likely lost their best offensive lineman for the whole season, and that does not help Purdue's chances of keeping quarterback Hudson Card safe from pressure as the Boilermakers have already allowed 14 sacks. Purdue's defense does have some impressive playmakers, and they already have 18 sacks on the season, being led by Kydron Jenkins, their linebacker, with four. Nick Scorton has three and a half sacks and two passes defended, and O.C. Brothers and Suleiman Kapaka have two sacks each. Also, Yanni Karloftis, younger brother of George Karloftis, who's currently with the Chiefs, he has a sack as well. Purdue also has 18 passes defended, six interceptions, and two forced fumbles. They do have some talent on defense and a lot of upside, but they do also have a low floor. Going back to Ohio State's offensive line, they have a lot to work on, but they are healthy there. Carson Hinsman is a young center. He'll probably get better as the season goes on. Between Matthew Jones and Donovan Jackson at guard, That's still a great near-elite guard room, but they're not performing up to my expectations, and the tackle room, especially in run blocking, is just inept. Period. Amen. Whether it's Josh Simmons, Josh Fryer, Carson Hinsman, and Donovan Jackson and Matthew Jones going back to the offensive line, there are constantly missed assignments, false starts, and occasionally, like we saw against Maryland, protection sometimes breaks down. So there are opportunities for Purdue's defense to get pressure on Kyle McCord and cause disruption and maybe buy themselves some more time if they are in a position to score on Ohio State and make this a competitive football game. Kyle McCord has 1,375 passing yards on the season, eight passing touchdowns, only one interception, and he has a 164 passer rating. Marvin Harrison Jr. leads the team in receiving yards with 499 receiving yards and four receiving touchdowns and 25 receptions. He's averaging 20 yards per reception. Tight end Cade Stover, by only three yards, is in second place for receiving yards on the team. He has one receiving touchdown, which he earned against Maryland, 306 receiving yards, and 19 receptions. Emeka Igbuka might not be playing in this game, but he doesn't have a long-term injury, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him out there. He has 22 receptions, Fleming is 15, 
Igbuka has three receiving touchdowns and 303 receiving yards. Julian Fleming has yet to catch a touchdown pass, and he has 153 receiving yards. Carnell Tate and Xavier Johnson are other players to watch out for at wide receiver, especially if Igbuka is not playing. Xavier Johnson would likely get the nod over Carnell Tate, but Carnell Tate is 83 receiving yards and already one receiving touchdown. He's a phenomenal player and will be one of the typical Ohio State greats at wide receiver. It's now average and expected for Ohio State to churn out elite first-round All-American receiver talent. And you can credit wide receivers coach Brian Hartline for that. Travion Henderson, Ohio State's main running back, should return after being sidelined against Maryland just as a precautionary measure. He has 44 carries and 295 yards and five rushing touchdowns. He's averaging 6.7 yards per carry. Chip Trainum and Mayan Williams, the backup running backs, although I'd say Trainum is more like running back 1B at this point, seeing how he was the better running back than Williams against Maryland and also has had some pretty key moments against Indiana and Notre Dame to either get Ohio State's offense in rhythm or to straight-up beat the Irish on the road. Trainum is 45 carries, 207 yards, 4.6 yards per carry, and he has three rushing touchdowns. Definitely more of a power back than Henderson, but he does also have that speed, acceleration, and agility. And so does Mayan Williams. Him and Williams have that power ability that I don't quite know if Henderson has this season, and I didn't expect him to in the preseason, but they do have some shiftiness to them as well. Ohio State has a Swiss Army knife of a running back room, a lot of diverse skill sets and players, and that's very good. But having Henderson back will really help this team because his speed allows him to make plays even when blocking isn't all that great anywhere. And that's the interesting fact about Henderson, I think, is I think Henderson functions best in this offense when the offensive line is either totally on point, when they're trying to run stretch, or when the offensive line simply doesn't know what they're doing because his talent can help compensate for a bad offensive line. Chip Trainum and Mayan Williams are more in the middle of those two extremes. If the offensive line is functioning perfectly, but their Ohio State is in there, the staff is running power, then that works well with Tranium and Williams. But if the offensive line is totally busted, and we saw that against Maryland, they don't have the breakaway speed or the change of direction that Henderson has, and they end up losing a yard, maybe falling forward for one or two yards. Meanwhile, Henderson can make something out of nothing. So there are many interesting factors to look at with Ohio State's offense. This is an offense that I'm going to talk about more in my live show tonight, along with the whole team, same with Michigan and Penn State. So please be there for that. But Ohio State still is overall a great team. Purdue, they have Hudson Card, and unfortunately Tyrone Tracy, their leading running back, he's out, likely for the season from what I've heard, so Devin Mockaby is going to have to step up in his place. Card is nearly 1,500 passing yards, six touchdowns, five interceptions, a 126.7 passer rating. I think he's a good, above-average quarterback, but with how much Jeff and Brian Brom took from that offense to Louisville, and also with Charlie Jones leaving for the draft, and then Aiden O'Connell leaving for the draft, and many other players, and also Payne Durham, the tight end, he wasn't left with a whole lot, and he's had to work with transfers and a new staff, and really a new roster 
in large portions on the offensive side of the ball. Devin Mockaby is 368 rushing yards and 87 carries and four touchdowns, averaging 4.2 yards per carry. He has had somewhat of a fumble problem this season, but he could improve. And fumbling isn't always this consistent issue or consistent thing with ball security in general. So I have him here as my player to watch. I think Devin Mockaby, if Purdue wants a chance to win this football game, he has to have a good day. He has to attack Ohio State's defensive line, whether on the outside, the inside, regardless. And he has to pick up yards, and he has to keep that football secure. Because if Purdue becomes one-dimensional, and they're most likely to do this through the air, because their offensive coordinator, Graham Harrell, is a student of the air raid, and they also have a capable quarterback and wide receiver in Hudson Card and Deion Burks, well, Ohio State's defense is not going to tolerate a one-dimensional offense. That's why Maryland was able to stay within striking distance for three quarters, is they could run the football, and they could also pass the football. That's why Notre Dame nearly won the football game, as they eventually found their run game, and they were able to move Ohio State. But if Purdue cannot find themselves a balanced attack, whether that's 60 passing, 40 rushing, or maybe it's 70 passing, but they're able to scheme Devin Mockaby and pick up some big gains on that 30% on the ground to keep Ohio State's defense honest, Purdue and Ryan Walters have to come up with a balanced attack. And their defense has to be on point as well. Kydron Jenkins caused pressure early. Same with Yanni Karloftis, and same with many of their other great players on the defensive side of the football, like O.C. Brothers, Scotty Humpitch, and Isaiah Nichols. And defensively, at secondary, have good coverage. I know that if you're Purdue, you cannot cover Marvin Harrison Jr. forever, but whether you have to double-team him or you have to play different schemes, try your best to not let those receivers get wide open because that's one thing Ohio State is good at this year like they have been under Ryan Day is passing and being pass heavy even though Kyle McCord doesn't have the same arm talent that CJ Stroud and Justin Fields did he still has a capable arm he still has capable accuracy and he's in a system that with the O-line being you know big physical pass blockers although I would question that in the run blocking game obviously they have wide receivers who can block, the Buckeyes do, and their wide receivers are All-American, Heisman caliber, and Kate Stover's a great tight end. So Ohio State, if they cannot run, will likely eventually do what they did against Maryland, just say, we're just going to pass, and maybe run to chew clock, but we're going to pass and pass some more. For Ohio State, I think Jack Sawyer is the player to watch. I expect the offense for the Buckeyes to get off to a somewhat slow start, and the defense potentially the same, but I think the defense will play a better game than the offense, as we've been accustomed to. Jack Sawyer, for now, I think, has been the better of the two. Maybe I'm wrong. It's very hard to judge, I think, individual players, especially on defense or offensive line, but Jack Sawyer... He's taken a step forward this year compared to last year, a more noticeable step forward than GT Tuimolau has, at least in my opinion. Can he get pressure, and can Tuimolau get pressure? I'd say the defensive ends, more so the defensive line, 
could all be players to watch here, but I just picked Jack Sawyer. Can they get pressure? Can they force Hudson Card to be out of rhythm? Maybe Ohio State picks up some defensive scores or gets a short field, which allows the offense to start quicker. And therefore, this game gets out of hand relatively early, and Ohio State can slowly disengage, get back up some playing time, experiment, test new things out, kind of use this almost as an open practice if they gain a big enough lead and then leave the game confident and feeling ready to fight in what will be a top 10 battle against Penn State. Unless the Nittany Lions you know, somehow lose to UMass, which isn't happening because Don Brown exists and UMass is also pretty talentless. My prediction for this game is Ohio State wins 41-10. to I think Kyle McCord will pass for over 300 yards and the rushing attack will produce over 100. I'm not going to say that Ohio State will dominate on the ground here because I have questions about their offensive line in the run blocking department. In the running back room, I expect Henderson to be ready to play Saturday, but there's a chance that he doesn't because if you're Ohio State and you're Ryan Day, it might be wise if you are really worried about his health, same with Ikbuka, to hold them out in this game because I don't think Purdue can do much against Ohio State. And if Ikbuka's out, well, you have Marvin Harrison Jr., you have Cade Stover, you have Julian Fleming. I mean, the wide receiver core is just as deep as the bottomless pit in a good way. I mean, you could pull out the third stringers and they would be a, a top 25 wide receiver room. It's just, it's totally nuts. It really is. I think the Buckeyes will start off slowly, but they will finish strong in a situation similar to like they did against Maryland and like they did against Notre Dame minus the defensive slump that occurred early in the fourth quarter where Notre Dame was able to find a rhythm in the run game and also the pass game and finally score. Um, that's what I think will happen here. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if the score at halftime in this game is like 17-7, to 7, and people are looking at halftime and thinking, oh, there goes Ohio State struggling again. Or maybe it's tied 10-10 and Ohio State goes on a 31-point run in the second half. That's how I expect this game to go. I think Purdue will likely score their lone touchdown, maybe their lone field goal, or maybe they score all 10 points in the first half. Ohio State probably scores a third of their 41-point total in the first half before pulling away with a strong second half. Purdue has the chance to catch Ohio State off guard, but I don't think they're consistent enough to compete with an Ohio State or a Michigan or a Penn State. And I expect a big loss for the Boilermakers. I think Ohio State wins. I think they cover. I think Travion Henderson does play on Saturday. Seeing that he didn't play against Maryland due to a minor injury, I do not expect Emeka Igbuka to play. So we'll see more of Xavier Johnson, the great captain at wide receiver, who's a Swiss Army knife. It'll be great to see him on the field. We'll see some Carnell Tate, I expect, as well. And I think we'll see a lot of Marvin Harrison Jr. I think we'll see his performance, much like we did against Western Kentucky or Youngstown State or Maryland, where at some point to get the offense going, Kyle McCord just heaved it up to him, got him open, and I think he'll have a good game, a big game. I expect McCord to pass for over 300 yards. The run game, I think, will struggle, even though it is against an inconsistent Purdue defense, because this is going to be a road game. I expect Ohio State to be slightly disengaged, though not as disengaged as they were in the first half coming off of their bye week. But Penn State is definitely on Ryan Day's mind. It's certainly on the team's mind, because Penn State is 
from what we can tell right now, a better football team, perhaps a much better football team than Notre Dame. And there's a lot of pressure, and Ohio State fans know this, there's a lot of pressure on Ryan Day and that roster. There is. A loss to Michigan would be unacceptable this season. However, to lose to a team before the Michigan game, especially when right now Michigan looks like the better team, that could send the entire, you know, everything into panic mode, especially for the fan base. So Ryan Day and the team just have to stay cool, calm, collected. Don't overlook Purdue, but don't, you know, don't waste your A-plus game against them either because this team and we'll talk about this more tonight in my live show, they remind me a lot of teams in the past, not Ryan Day teams, but other teams, some Michigan and Michigan State teams in the 2010s, and also the early part of this current decade, that weren't as dynamic on offense, but had great offensive players, they had a good quarterback, and their defenses were just unreal. They don't remind me, the Buckeyes, of a typical Ryan Day team this year, So I don't think they can necessarily play like one and expect to maximize their chances to win. But I still think, and Potential Power would agree with me, that this is a near-elite-to-elite team. But because it's more of a defensive team than an offensive team, you're not going to see the same margin of victory or the same style of game. So the expectations for wins and for losses, I think it's rightful for them to stay the same, but how this team wins its games is inevitably going to be different, especially with the current struggles at offensive line. But we'll see if those improve throughout the season. If not, it would be best for Ryan Day, in my opinion, to stick with a pass-heavy attack and then pass to open up the run and also really lean on the defensive side of the ball to get stops and maybe also score some points. I mean, they already have three defensive touchdowns. I expect with the Big Ten's current quarterback play outside of McCarthy and outside of McCord, And outside of Aller as well, um, outside of those three, Big Ten quarterback play isn't as good as I've expected, and there's been a lot of turnover-prone guys like Card, Altmaier, Jeff Sims. We'll see if Heinrich Harburg continues to stay relatively clean, and Tanner Mordecai hasn't had a good year either. So maybe the Buckeyes rely a little bit more on Jim Knowles than even they expected to this season. Thank you guys so much for watching this video. Remember... Like this video, subscribe. Thank you to my patrons for sponsoring this video, especially Spencer Bringhurst, Noah DDLC, my All-American patrons, and Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, and Matthew Sale, my All-Conference patrons. Check out my Patreon page via the link in the description, and thank you all again for watching. I'll see you around. Bye-bye.